Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Some of you brought your electronic Bibles, and I don't, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I prefer you not scroll Facebook or shop on Amazon right now, but, you know, I'm not going to police that. So, but if that's your, kind of your Bible that's right in your hand, then go for that and, and enjoy that. But we, we've been in a series for a number of weeks now, and we titled it very intentionally because to, to provoke something in our thinking, we titled it, Only God Can Do It. And the subtitle is, Setting Our Course for a Breakthrough Year, because as we were praying and we were listening to the Lord, what, what do you want to say to us this year? We really began to sense that God was, I'm going to use the term calling us. But let me say it a little different. Sometimes the Lord's just saying, hey, you know what I want to see in your life? You know what I want to do for you this year? And he was calling us to learn to posture ourselves so that this year, unlike last year and maybe for some the year before, and you could just keep counting back, This year's not going to be the same as last year. I don't care what's going on in the world. We're going to position ourselves so that God can do something that only God can do. Now, that's individual for everybody, right? So that could be financial, relational, could be a personal thing in your life, just unsatisfied, discontented, feel uh, disconnected and isolated. Whatever it is, we're going to believe that God gets to do what only God can do in all of our lives. So we get to the end of the year, and we're going to say, okay, so what do you do for you? Oh, you're never going to believe it. Listen, for 10 years, I, I've been struggling with this, but listen, this year, God began to move me forward. Now, let me tell you the basis for that is we did come across a scripture in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. It's not an isolated scripture. This is all over the Bible, but we just jumped on this one. Jesus is talking to the father of a young man who's been plagued with this. Uh, it's, it's a disease, but it's more than that. It's a spiritual thing that's going on. And he's tried everything. I mean, since the little guy was born, he's been walking through this, and he couldn't figure it out. And Jesus looked at him and said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I know that people want to wrestle with that. Yeah, but did that mean everything? Was that just spiritual stuff? And I'm just going to cut to the short. Listen, if you can connect with the Lord and you can begin to stir your faith, all things means all things. In every translation, from every angle, in the earliest manuscripts, all the way to the latest, most contemporary versions, all things is all things. But the requirement is believing. Requirement is really developing this concrete confidence with God on the inside. And so we started walking through and we said, well, in order to get to where you can believe, there's three things that are pretty fundamental in the Bible. The first thing is you have to come to grips. I mean, just galvanize it in your heart that we serve a God that can do anything. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing. It's usually not too hard for most Christians to get to because he's God. We get that part. But the, the second step is where we begin to realize, oh, we, we've got something to, some things to, to deal with on the inside. Number two is that even though God can do the impossible, number two is no one's excluded by God. We went through and taught and looked through scriptures and listen, this is cover to cover. 
God, anybody from any background in any situation, you know, for any, in any amount of time, with any education, and, and it doesn't matter if you're in a bad place because you made all the wrong choices. Anybody who's willing to open their heart for God, God will come do the impossible. He takes great pleasure in rescuing. Great pleasure, like, like the dad who loves to come, and there's the little guy you know, who's got himself in a mess. He said, come here, man, and, and to rescue his children. God loves this all the way through the Bible. Just get so excited, what am I doing wrong? Oh. So while he's fixing this, this embarrassing wardrobe malfunction, it was on my ear when we tested this morning, and then I, uh, I held my little grandson who loves to grab my glasses and my earpiece, and so my apologies, that was totally my fault, not anybody in the sound, and forgive me for that. All right, where was I? God loves to do the impossible. He loves to, to fix. But here's number three, this one's really important, is for us to come to grips with the fact that the way God set this up, everybody can develop what I'm just going to call to fit with the series, this kind of impossible or breakthrough faith. Anybody can, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a theologian, you don't even have to be saved for like years and years and years. Anybody can develop this kind of faith, but there are, there are elements that the Bible says, really simple, but once you understand, there's elements that the Bible says, this is what will help you. And so we've narrowed them down to five different steps, and they're just baby steps. Anybody, I don't care where you're at, anybody can take these five steps in their life, step by step by step. And you will begin to build a greater faith and a greater confidence that not only God can do the impossible, he is passionate about doing the impossible for you. And, and so we've been walking through these five steps. Well, the first week we looked at, you have to stop and remember what God's promised. Well, that starts in the Bible. And we've just done a whole series and things that God contracted. He signed a contract. It was so desperate for us to know, I'm telling the truth. I want to do stuff for you that he literally signed a contract. And if you missed that, go back and read it because I'm telling you it's life-changing to begin to read the Bible differently. But then there's some of you that you remember that time when you first gave your heart to Jesus or you were in some setting or some service and all of a sudden you realize, you know, God does love me and he does want to forgive me and he does want to help me and your hopes just all of a sudden begin to soar. In that moment, God was whispering something to you just because he, he loves you so much. And listen, and those things, we have to come back and remember. I remember the time when, we first, when I first prayed and I believed that God was going to do this. And then life piled on and the whole thing just began to erode. And now I'm way over here and I'm not sure, but I got to go all the way back. I got to dig that up. I got to remember, nope, this is what he said to me and this is what he really wants to do. And the second thing is, then you got to begin to examine your life and you got to review. Okay, so if that's what he wants to do, where am I at? And you've got to give an honest report, first to yourself. There's a lot of people that just won't admit that they're struggling in areas. They keep, oh, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Well, the Lord knows my heart. And all of these little hiding places that we have, because sometimes admitting to the fact that we want to be over there, we're supposed to be over there, maybe at one time we were over there, but now we're way over here. It's just hard to admit and so we look for all of these rationales and reasons, but listen, you have to come to grips with you take an accurate review, what's really going on, and then be honest and report that honestly first to yourself, next step, then, then to God. But by the way, he already knows, you're not going to shock him, he's not, but if I tell him he's going to get mad, he already knows. 
So just be honest and come and just say, hey, listen, I don't want to be here, but here's where I'm at, and I'm just being real. I'm just being honest with you. And then if you, if you have developed or if you're willing to develop some key relationships with other people that are like-minded in faith, then sharing it with them is great. We weren't meant to live Christianity by ourselves. Having someone to partner with, having someone to say, listen, been there before. And don't you get discouraged at all. In fact, come here, I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to help you. This is so important and so fundamental. And so today we're going to go to the next step. And the next step is really important. We're going to talk about what it means to revise your life. But here's the, here's, the, here's the key I want you to get step by step. So we've remembered who God is, what he wants to do. We've reviewed and said, ah, oh, we got some work to do. We've come clean and we've been super honest about that with ourselves and God, maybe someone else. Now it's time to start making incremental revisions. And we're going to see what the Bible says. How do we do that? And I think it's, again, I think I said this last week, but I'll say it again. It's a perfect time to study this because we're in the final week of 21 days of fasting and prayer. Now, for some of you, you're like, man, I'm killing this thing. I'm doing great. I'm just doing wonderful. And others are like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I am really struggling here. I'm really messing up. Some of you have talked yourself out of it, then talk yourself back into it, then talk yourself out of it. So you've like got a cumulative, you know, day and a half, but over 14 days because, you know, you quit. And, and listen, I get that. In fact, we started the whole thing recognizing we've been through a, a couple of tough years. And there's people that are exhausted, people that are so kind of off their rhythms and, and disconnected, and they're wrestling with stuff they've never wrestled with before. Listen, you're the people I want to talk to the most. Because, listen, God wants to take all of us on this journey. I don't want to leave one person behind. So we took the whole month of January to say, listen, we're not changing anything yet. Now, if you have, that's great. We're taking the month of January just to try to get our head and our heart straight. Can we just get focused and kind of rub the, the weariness out of our eyes and maybe catch our breath a little bit and see if we can get some kind of a strategy? And that's the whole month of January. And even that is a biblical practice. You know, God prophesied for thousands of years before Jesus showed up. He's very intentional, very meticulous, very strategic and structured about taking these steps because he's very determined he's not going to lose. He's going to win every single time. And he's going to take everybody who's willing to go with him on this winning journey. So this is the perfect time for you. If you're discouraged, if you're weary, listen, I've got some encouragement for you this morning. Lean in, stay with me. And then if that's you, you may want to let somebody pray for you at the end uh, so they can lay hands on you and get an impartation. Let the Lord just refresh you and say, okay, I'm back in the game and, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. So in order to get, get your mind wrapped around this, I'm going to give you a super practical example that everybody in here, or at least everybody who has a driver's license, some of you who haven't had a driver's license, maybe you're just a passenger and, you know, you're young and you're just sitting in the car and you're on your iPhone and you don't think about it. And, but everybody who has a driver's license understands the three-point turn, right? Maybe that was why you didn't pass the first time. Because parallel parking and three-point turns, man, those things are lethal to people that are just trying to figure this out. But a three-point turn is a way that you can get your car going the opposite direction in a, in a space that is so confined, you just can't flip the U-turn. And so you got to figure out strategically how to do this, and the three-point turn is what they teach you. Well, I should turn to Philippians chapter 3, because Paul's going to show us a three-point spiritual turn 
that will help us no matter what's going on in our life. We don't have the room in our schedule to just flip a U-turn. We don't have the room in our energy tank to just say, okay, that's it, starting tomorrow morning, and we just do it. We don't have that kind of you know, space, and, that, and we're kind of limited. And so Paul gives us this three-point life turn, and he says, this is how to do it. And so we're, we're going to look at it. So how do you get in faith when you're limited in time, you're limited in energy, you're, you're kind of you know, limited in your own willpower and your own determination? How do you begin to do this three-point turn so that you can get going the right direction and you can begin to expect God to do what only he can do for you. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, let me tell you what I'm not talking about as, before we start reading Philippians chapter 3. When we talk about making a three-point life turn, we're not talking about repentance. And that's really important. You don't repent from doing something wrong incrementally. Well, I'm kind of sorry. I'm sort of sorry. I, I kind of like it, so I'm not totally sorry, you know, but, uh, but I'm getting more sorry than I was last time. And listen, re- the word repentance in the New Testament literally means to change your mind. And the implication that goes with it is if you've changed your mind, then you'll change your life. And so those two are inseparable. That's New Testament theology, change your mind. And so we're not talking about that. If you, come, if you come to grips with something and the Holy Spirit shows you or you already know that you know is just wrong, that's just sin, that's just wrong, then you need to repent. You need to make a change of your mind and a change of your heart like immediately. Open that up to the Lord. Part of the review and report, I'm wrong. I've, I've, I've let this sin come in. I, I just refuse it. I reject it. I renounce it from this point on. I don't want to be that person. I'm this person over here. I'm on Jesus' team. He's washed me. You repent right away, okay? But there's some of those things that are attached to patterns now that you've established. Thought patterns, behavioral patterns. Some of them even have a strong grip on you and, and you, know, you can pray and snap some of those things. But the pattern is still there. And that's where we have you know, passages like Mark chapter four that talks about we get the seed of God's word in our heart and it begins to grow and change our thinking and change our patterns and we grow 30 to 60 to 100 fold. So we incrementally see these changes that are happening over a period of time, whatever that period of time is. Romans chapter 12 verse two says the same thing. As we renew our mind, we watch our, our life patterns and our thought processes go from the good to the, wow, that's way better, to the best and most mature way to think. It's like, that's where I wanted to get all the time. But it happens in these increments, okay? Hebrews chapter 5, I think it's around 13, 14, verse 14, talks about if we'll feed on the Word of God and if we'll look at these things, you know, and, and eat some of the meaty things and tackle those, that we'll become so mature that even our senses, not necessarily the five senses, but I wouldn't extract that, but our ability to have common sense, our ability to look at something and say, ah, I don't think that's going to be the best. Our senses will be able to quickly discern between what's good and what's evil. And so we don't have to have a chapter and verse. We don't have to call a friend. We don't have to call a pastor. We just know, yeah, something's off. Something's not right. But that's all a maturity, right? So we're talking about three-point turn we're talking about that process of maturing. Not just knowing who you want to be, not even just repenting for who you're not and opening that up to Lord, but how do you begin then to turn your life patterns? How do you begin to get faith to arise when you're just fighting discouragement so hard? 
How do you begin to get your, your thoughts and your intentions moving in the right direction and gaining strength and conviction so that determination kicks in? How do you do those things when you're in a very tight, you know, confined place in your time, energy, schedule, et cetera, et cetera. This is exactly what Paul's talking about. Okay, all that's the lead up to Romans chapter three. We're only gonna cover about three verses today, but they are power packed. If you've been around church, you probably read these three verses a whole bunch of times. Some of you might have even memorized them, but we're gonna kind of lean in to say, what do they really mean? Because it's not enough to know what you're supposed to do. You have to know, how does the Bible say to do it? Because most of what God asks us to do, we can't do in our own strength. But if we understand, oh, that's how the Bible says, then we can lean in and we get the wisdom of God. And then here comes the power of God. And suddenly we can do things we never thought we can do. And they're easier than when we tried to do them. And so that's what we're going to learn today. Philippians chapter 3, I'm starting in verse number 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now, let me just tell you, he's actually going to list three things. But these three things, when you put them all together, is like one complete result. It's the three-point turn. So first I do this, and then I do this, and then I do that. And when I get to the last part, huh, I'm going the direction that I wanted to go. So he says, this one thing I do, and here's the first part of your three-point turn, forgetting those things which are behind. So I'm going to say practical for some of you who just like, you know, spelled out. The first thing you have to do in a three-point turn, when you realize something needs to change, you've repented if it's a sin, and you realize you need to change, you need to be willing to turn away from your past and sometimes from your current approach. Maybe your current approach is working, but not well. It's like so hard. And you need to be willing to open that up. But there's some people that are so stubborn. No, that's the way I've always done it but it's never worked. Or it's certainly not working now, but they just don't want to loosen that up. But you have to be willing to make a decision to turn. In fact, the word forgetting here is a really great word. It gives us some insight because it doesn't just, it doesn't mean, you know, you never remember you did that, like you have amnesia all of a sudden. It, it means that you've made a decision to turn away from something and forget that that's even a potential option. It's like you're making a complete turn. There's no rear view mirror. We're not saying, well, we're going to try this, but if this doesn't work out, no, no, no. You're making a complete turn. It means to intentionally turn and ignore something. Like, no, I'm not thinking, nope, that's not an option for me anymore. It means to purposely disregard something. And here's what's important. This could have been something that in the past worked really well for you. This could have been something when you first got started, this was great, but listen, something changed and it's no longer applicable or no longer working for you anymore. Let me tell you a convenient example for me is I, I, I remember when I recommitted my life to the Lord and I mean, God did an amazing thing with me. I came alive to the reality of the word of God that this wasn't just a religious book. It wasn't just poetic. God was actually making declarative statements and he was backing them up with his integrity. I said it, I mean it. Now you get to wrestle with that. And when it, when, it, when it just finally sunk in and the Holy Spirit helped me to see that, my life was forever different. I would go to the Word of God and say, well, you said it. And if you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have said it. 
but because you said it and I'm grabbing it, okay, then I'm going to begin to shape my life that way. And the Holy Spirit met me right there. Well, I was super fired up. So I was studying the Bible. I was so hungry to know what else did God say? Okay, what else did he say? Okay, but how am I supposed to do that? And I was just like letting the word of God and the Holy Spirit coach me through stuff and everything was going great. So listen, my devotions were off the charts. I mean, I might have two or three of them a day, right? I'm single and I got nothing else going on. I mean, I was working a lot and I'm in college, but, but other than that, man, I'm just up in the morning early and lunchtime, I'm cramming a little more in. And before I go to bed, TV, who cares about that? And, and I'm into this and everything was going great. And then I met Debbie. <laughs> little bit of a distraction. But the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So woohoo, this is awesome. I can do this. I can do this. And so I found a new rhythm and everything was going great until I had kids. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a grandpa and I still haven't figured that one out. So, you know, you got grandkids running around the house and you're trying to get some quiet time with the Lord. Yeah, have fun with that. It, it's just got to get creative. So all I'm saying is if you're a parent and you're trying to figure out this devotional thing, especially if you're a parent of, you know, infants and little toddlers, you know, they're, they're trying to learn a schedule. You're trying to teach them the schedule and they don't always stay on the schedule. And you're wondering, you know, why are my devotions so tough? Uh, there's a really practical reason why. But there may be a point, and I realized it the hard way, there was a point that I needed to say, listen, I'm not single anymore. And Debbie and I aren't just this young married couple anymore. Well, we're just, you know, in love and cooperating with each other. We got parental responsibilities now. And this whole devotion thing kicks up to a whole nother level of challenge. And it was time for me to forget those things in the past. Stop saying, yeah, but it used to be. That. Yeah, I know it used to be, but you're not where you used to be anymore. You got you to begin to remember it's time to turn the page. And so Paul says, listen, you got to get to a point where you realize there's times that we have to make a shift and we have to go a completely different direction. In fact, he said, take those things that are behind you. And, and he, he says, listen, forget you're turning around and you're reposturing yourself. So listen, where you were going and how you were operating, that's now behind you. And that means things that you're recognizing, these are obsolete. They might've been your favorite thing. They might've worked wonderful for you in the previous life, or they could have been, you know, kind of bad stuff. But listen to me, it doesn't matter what's going on in your past. Your past, good, bad, or indifferent, can't help you move forward. But this is equally important. Hanging on to things in your past can hinder you from going forward. They can't help you, but they can hinder you. And it's really important that we, that we remember. Well, I kind of started thinking, well, you know, is that really practical? How does that work? And here, here's, here's a few silly examples. Um, how many of you still ride a tricycle to work? Yeah, I mean, that's so silly, right? But listen to me, I can promise that there was a whole bunch of you that when you were super, super little, getting your first tricycle, that was a big deal. And man, you were just so proud and you're just pedaling your way around, you know, the, the neighborhood or around the, the cul-de-sac or maybe in the house somewhere, but you're just pedaling. It was great. But at some point you realize, yeah, this is obsolete. It was awesome. But it's obsolete. I have a three-year-old grandson, Graham, and we have a 10-month-old grandson, Gabriel, and some of Gabriel's toys, Graham still remembers that he used to like that, and he tries to crawl in, you know, the activity center, and he tries to get in the jumper, you know, that's on the wall, and he doesn't fit. None of it works. It's not as fun. And we have to rescue him and peel him out of there 
But listen to me, there are times when we begin to realize this was fun at some point, but it doesn't work anymore. How many of you still, you, you go to the lake and you jump off the boat or you're skiing or whatever with your floaties? Yeah, now it doesn't mean you're you know, a bad swimmer or a good swimmer, but at least I hope you graduated to life jackets. Floaties were great at some point. Because, I mean, you got to be fully immersed in the pool. Mom and dad weren't holding you, at least not much before. And it was awesome to me. Well, we could go on and on. How about, you know, licking your, uh, you know, when nobody's looking, you're running your finger across the bottom of the cake and tasting the icing. How about sleeping in on Saturdays? Yeah, those are not landing. So those are bad examples. Maybe you still do that. And you're like, no, those are still good things. Those are still relevant things. Okay, well, that's between you and your spouse or whatever. But you get my point, right? There are things that were great way back when, but they're not great now. And I'm telling you, if you hang on to those things because, well, that's the way I've always done it, and you don't recognize this is not working for me. This has become exponentially more challenging than it used to be. This is not helping me. Paul said, you have to be able to focus on those and recognize you've got to put those things behind you. And I don't mean just temporarily, put them behind you and say, listen, I'm in a different place in my life. I'm not going back there again. And you've got to begin to make that turn. Well, listen to me, not only that, Paul goes on and says this in in verse 13, the second half. He says, first of all, forget those things which are behind, but look at what the second part is and reach forward to those things that are ahead. And so practically speaking, it means after you you are willing to let go of, of what you used to do or maybe what you're doing now, but it's not working, you have to turn to a new approach. And the word reaching is really important because, you know, there's a lot of versions of reaching. We can think about, well, I'm, you know, I'm reaching across the dinner table because I want a few more, uh, you know, helpings of something, or I'm reaching up on the shelf at the grocery store, and, and there's those kind of reaching where it does take some effort. But this kind of reaching that Paul's talking about is a totally different kind of reach. It pictures a runner who's at the very end of a race. And he is so determined to win that he is leaning forward, I mean, with everything he's got to the point that he's almost off balance. He's got his hand stretched as far as he can in the front of him because he's determined to get to this finish line. In other words, it's the opposite of casual. It's the opposite of convenient. It's the opposite of comfortable. If you're going to walk away from what's not working and you're going to begin to make that turn and you're going to have to start reaching for something that is going to be more beneficial, and listen, that reach is going to take you some effort. It's, it's going to be a strain, again, heart pumping, lungs burning, you know, every fiber in his being feels like he's about to collapse, but he's reaching, he's reaching, he's reaching, and that's exactly what, what this is telling us, which is telling us, listen, it's not going to be easy, and some of you are experiencing that right now, so yeah, tell me about it, because I made just a few different things. I said, that's it, no more Brussels sprouts for 21 days, and I can't do it. If that's you, you should get prayed for at the end of service, by the way. But listen, you, you've already experienced this, right? And you realize, but this is tough. This is agonizing. I feel like I'm, I'm just finding my last little ounce of strength to reach. But Paul said, that's kind of part of it. And that's what you're supposed to do. And he says, but you're supposed to reach for things that are ahead. Here's an encouragement for you. Because the word ahead here is this Greek word. And it literally means reach for something that is right here in front of you. One of the biggest challenges we have is we put this goal up there that is this big, huge, massive goal, and we think, well, I just got to, you know, flip some things around, and I'm just going to be there next week. And Paul says, that's not what I'm talking about. 
He says, no, no, I'm asking you to strain everything you've got and reach for that one thing that's right in front of you. In fact, he goes on and he says this in the next verse. Listen, he says, I press towards the goal for the prize. And the word press uh, is, is another, he kind of changes metaphors, but it's another interesting term. It's a hunting term. And he's not talking about somebody who, you know, packs all their gear and gets out just before daylight and they're going to go out and sit in the deer stand to see if they might get something. This hunter is not on that kind of a hunt. This hunter has been uh, researching his prey for weeks. He's been looking and understanding all of their habits. He's been familiarizing with, you know, with their trails and their prints. And he's actually found signs that there's game in, in the area that he's going to hunt. And now he's been stalking. He's not even bringing out his, his gun yet. He's been stalking. He's watching the movements. He's watching the habits and the pattern. He's going to do everything he can strategically because he's going to put himself in the right place at the right time. And then step by step, he's going to find and he's going to get what he's after. Listen, this is what the Bible says that we're supposed to do when we're pressing. It's not a haphazard. It's not just we'll try harder. It's not really even try smarter. It's think about this, pray about, Lord, give me some understanding and create a, a strategy for you. How am I going to get to where I need to get so I can reach and I can stretch that ribbon finally? How am I going to do that? And, 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 uh, and Paul goes on and tells us here that this particular runner is fixated. He's stalking two different things. And this is important. Notice this. We go to the end. He's stalking a prize. And this particular word prize is talking about what someone gets when they stand on the victory box. It's the race is all over and, you know, all the crowds stop cheering and now they stand up on the, you know, number one, who's got first place, second place, third place, and they get a trophy, they get a medal, they get, you know, uh, 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 some, some kind of an indication that, that they, they've won this particular race. That's the prize. But listen to me, Paul says, but I'm not asking you to stock the prize. I'm not asking you to stalk your total freedom. I'm not asking you to stalk financial, you know, increase. I'm not asking you to stalk the perfect marriage. I'm not asking you to stalk a new opportunity and greater confidence. I'm not asking you to stalk that. He says, that's where you're going to head. But he said, I'm asking you to stalk, to press towards the goal. And the word goal is the Greek word skapos. And it's where we get the word scope. It's where we get the word microscope telescope. It means to zero in on one particular target and, and to dial it in, and that's what you're focusing on. There's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. There's a bigger prize you're after, but you are locked into that one thing right there. Whatever you have to do, you're going to do it to get to that one thing and to reach out and grab that one thing. And for a runner, that one thing is the finish line. You, you may not know this, maybe you're not into athletics, and, and I'm, I certainly was never into track and field, at least not in the running events. And, but listen to me, champions, runners, are made one race at a time. Maybe they started out and they set this goal that, you know, they, they felt like they had the aptitude and they had the times and, and they had the, the physical discipline, and they can be a world champion. Maybe they can be number one in their field around the globe. But listen to me, champions are made one race at a time, and the most important race that they're running is the one they're currently in. Because if you can't just go from 
finish line to finish line to finish line to finish line, you'll never get that giant prize that you're after. If you can't just allow the Holy Spirit to say, listen, I I know you want all these things changed, but I just need you to focus on this. If, If you can't realize, well, what's been working for me is not working anymore. So I'm going to begin to turn, and I'm just going to focus on that one thing. Maybe for you, it's a couple of things. But I'm just going to focus on those one things, but I'm going to put all of my energy, I'm going to put my prayer time, I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, help me with this, and I'm going to stretch towards that one thing, because if I can hit that one thing, and then another thing, and then another thing, it won't be long before I'll be standing on the box. And I'm the victor, and I'm the winner. And this is exactly what Paul's trying to get us to understand. And so here's number three. Number three is you have to commit yourself, this is important, to incremental growth. And there's so many Christians that don't understand God's an incremental God. They just think he's black and white, right? Hey, you're doing that. I want you to do this. Get it done starting tomorrow. And maybe you can repent, and you can say, you're right. I totally see that. Lord, I repent right now. I don't want to to lean towards that anymore. And right now, wash me and and clean me. And Holy Spirit, help me to be that person over there. Well, in your heart, you've made that change. But now it may take a little bit of time to incrementally move some things around. And this is exactly what Paul's saying. He said, let me show you how to do it. The first thing you do is he said, let go of those things that are not working for you. Be willing to open up and say, well, Holy Spirit, how do I do it? And then just make, make the second turn and say, okay, I, I can see a different way. Start posturing myself to reach forward, and then the Holy Spirit will dial in the, the scope, and you'll be able to see the crosshairs and the bullseye. Okay, that's the one thing that I need to do right now. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit activates the Word of God, the promise of God, the power of God, the deliverance of God, the resource of God, the love of God. All those things begin to activate, and you begin to pick up the pace, and you realize you can do this one step at a time, one race at a time. If you don't understand that, then let me tell you, you're highly likely to get caught up in discouragement, highly likely to be defeated, because as hard as you try, you can't seem to pull it off because you're trying to flip a U-turn and you don't have the space in your life, in your time, in your energy, in your discipline currently, whatever it is, you can't just flip on a dime like that. And we're not supposed to get discouraged. We're supposed to walk and, and, to, uh, and, and just to follow this. In fact, listen to this. Paul goes on. We're going to read one more verse, verse 15, and we're bringing it uh, to some practicalities. He says, therefore... Let as many as are mature have this particular mind. What mind? Well, the one he's just talked about. He said, I want you to think maturely, and don't just think in these grandiose things. He said, I want you to think three-point turns. I want you to posture yourself and say, okay, Lord, show me what needs to change, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to repent right away if necessary, but I'm going to make a commitment, okay, then I'm not going to do it the old way anymore. I'm going to open myself up and say, that way doesn't work. The season's changed. I'm drawing a new line here. And I'm going to begin posturing myself then to reach forward, to reach forward. And as the Holy Spirit dials me in and says, grab that, then then that's exactly what I'm going to go for. He says, as many of you are mature, if uh, and if in anything you think otherwise, he says, God will reveal even that to you. Because there might be some of you saying, no, come on, God does the impossible. You just need to pray, and God just wham, and everything's fine. And sometimes he does that, and it's wonderful when he does that. But listen to me, that doesn't help anybody to grow and mature in their walk with the Lord. 
God wants to do just miracles for us. But sometimes those miracles are walked out step by step by step because that's how we grow in faith. That's how we understand some things about patience and about love and, and about God's principles and how we walk in those. And this is what he's saying. He said, and by the way, if you're here and you think, no, that can't be it. He says, that's all right. Open your heart to the Lord. The Lord will show you. That's exactly it. In fact, listen to the contemporary English version. He said, all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. Three-point turn. That's just, that's just what he's outlined. He says, and if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or to her. Now, last little thing about this. What's most interesting is about this particular thing Paul writes is, listen to me, Paul is on his last lap around the track. His life is almost over. This is not Paul right from the very beginning who's just burning up with zeal, who, you know, had, the elders had to grab him and put him somewhere where he could be mentored for a few years because he was just burning the church up. This is not that Paul. This is Paul that's been in this for a long time. And by the way, the last few years as Paul was writing this from a jail cell have been punishing for him. He's exhausted. And so Paul's on his last lap around the track, but listen, listen, listen to what you need to hear. Rather than slowing down and saying, well, I had a good run. I mean, I wrote three quarters of the New Testament, right? So I, I think I did okay. I think the Lord's going to be pleased with this. And listen, rather than slowing down, Paul's still leaning forward and he's growing. Paul's adopting an attitude that says, I, I'm not going to be one of those people that says, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kind of farther along in my life. I am what I am. It is what it is. And I'm just going to enjoy my life now. Paul says, no, no, no. He says, listen, I've chosen to put forth all of my effort to push harder than I've ever pushed in some of these key areas so that I can cross the finish line having given the very best all the way to the very end. And this is what Paul was saying. Now, I want you to hear that because four years earlier, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians, and listen, he gives them the same message, but four years earlier, he doesn't include the three-point turn because four years later, Paul says, yeah, I'm realizing uh, there's some incremental stuff that would probably be helpful to you. And so he writes it. Listen to what he writes four years earlier in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. Don't just be the participator. But run to win. This is your personal race. He said all athletes are, are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So he said, so I run with purpose in every step. Now he's going to shift to a met different metaphor, expecting that we're going to go with him because he wants to help us to understand this is not easy. But notice this. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, this is a real fight. I mean, I'm really fighting an enemy here. I'm really fighting the enemy, trying to discourage me and distract me and, you know, distort what the Bible really wants. And I'm fighting my own flesh who would really much rather kind of lean back in and eat potato chips than to turn and to stretch. But he said, but I'm realizing there are weighty things at stake. Some of them I get to enjoy right here. And others I'll take with me and I'll get an eternal prize. He said, so I don't just shadow box. He goes on and he says, but I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do whatever it should. Otherwise, he said, I'm afraid that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. It's not automatic, not even with Paul. So again, this is four years later now that Paul's in Philippians. He's writing from a jail cell. It's been really, really tough, but Paul's still committed to growth. 
He's still committed not to, not to back off. He says, nope, this is what the Lord said. And so Paul offers his readers in, in the church of Philippi, hey, listen, remember that thing I told to the Corinthians about? You got to discipline, you got to press. It's going to be a fight, but you got to keep moving forward. Yeah, let me give you a little insight here. Here's a three-point turn approach. That if it's more difficult than you thought, that if you tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed, okay, try it this way. Don't flip the whole U-turn and you get stuck on the curb somewhere. He said, do a three-point turn. First thing is, forget what's not working. Be willing to walk away. You, you got to realize God moves and there's a fresh approach here. Forget what's not working. Number two, reach towards a new approach. Posture yourself and say, okay, Lord, then I'm going to reach for something different. And then number three, allow the Holy Spirit to dial in your scope, your focus, and say, okay, that's the number one thing right now. And, I, and I've got to fix that because if I can fix that, then I just feel like, boy, there's a bunch of other stuff that will open up. I can't do 14 things at the same time, even though 14 might need it. But I'm going to focus on this one thing and I'm going to cross the finish line. All right, let me get real practical with you. This won't take me very long. When it comes to our church, we're just not preaching messages to you. We're doing the same thing. And we've kind of wrapped some scoped out things, what the Lord wants in three faith statements. And I just want to give them to you. The three statements are the ones I want you to hear. And then I'll elaborate just a little bit. The first one is we are determined this year. We're locked in. We're leaning forward. We're reaching. We're going to deepen our roots. The world's shallowing out. And the gospel is becoming kind of pulled apart. And, uh, and statistics are showing that we live in a day and age where people are more Bible illiterate than ever before which means they're just kind of depending on what they hear from a podcast or what they catch from an article. And if, if all of those things were true in line with the word of God, that would be great, but they're not. And so we're going to deepen our roots. In other words, we're going to learn individually and as a church to study, uh, it, study the word of God and pray in a deeper way, not longer, not more content, but how do we get greater absorption? How do we let it sink in so it's transplanting in our heart and we're being engrafted by the word of God and it's working for us? We're going to learn some deeper things. How do we raise our family? You know, it's crazy because we're craving connection and relationship. And yet so many families now are so fragmented. Everybody's in their own room, you know, on their own electronic devices and conversations are limited to just schedules and whatever kind of is floating along the surface of that day or whatever the latest Facebook post was. But nobody's talking deep things anymore. Nobody's saying, yeah, but how are you doing, man? What's going on in your heart? We're hiding from each other. And yet that's not the way that the Lord wants us to do that. So we're going to change the way we're raising our family, change the way we're relating to other believers. And we're going we're gonna to deepen our urgency for the love of God and the gospel to get to other people. Listen to me, Jesus is coming soon. Whether you like to hear that or not, it's true. And for those of us that are understanding it, we're posturing, we're turning ourselves to realize that's a really exciting, wonderful thing. But it also causes us to look around and say, there's a lot of people that are not serving Jesus. A lot of people that are desperate. A lot of people that want desperately need what we have. And we have to learn to deepen our passion and be uh, able to share that with them. Which leads to number two. Number one was we're going to deepen our roots. Number two, we're going to broaden our influence. And again, this is like with our family. We've all got influence. We've all got those opportunities to say things and do things that will uh, help direct or help encourage. And so we're going to learn how to do that a little better because that's awkward for some people. We're going to deepen our influence in our community towards caring actions and towards, you know, sharing our faith and, and towards, listen, just inviting others 
to events or inviting others, hey, just come to church with me. What if they think I'm weird? They already think you're weird. Because <laughs> they're sleeping in and you go to church every Sunday. They think you're weird, right? They're, they're trying to figure out how to, how to get some downtime and you're plugged into a connect group or you're giving, you, you, you do the Bible like more than once a week. They think you're weird already. So listen, in a very light way, just share with them. All I'm going to tell you is, man, God's changing my life. You just come check it out. Come check it out. I'll buy you a Starbucks afterwards. I'll buy you breakfast. Or, but just come check it out. And, so, and then finally, we're going to do the same thing with our world. Listen, we have a phenomenal opportunity on social media, but so many people are not using it correct. We're supposed to edify. We're supposed to clarify truth. We're not supposed to be creating conflict. We're not supposed to be posting things just to tick people off. That's not the kingdom of God. But we are supposed to stand up for truth, and so we're going to learn how to do that better. Business relationships, and some of you have recreational endeavors. You know, you're in a hunting club, or you're in a cycling club, or, or you got some other extracurriculars going on. It's just a perfect opportunity to let the light of the gospel shine and increase your influence. Here's the last one. We're going to expand our reach. And that means that if you're in the church, we're going to ask you to reach deeper into the church. Could be just committing to come to services regularly. It could be to volunteer, to get involved. Uh, pastor Spencer was saying to us, well, we need all hands on deck. I heard one pastor say to me, uh, he said, you know, uh, <clears throat> it's not really a family until you're doing chores. That's not a great selling point for membership, but it's probably true, right? Because you want to get involved, but you do, you start feeling that ownership, like I'm a part of this thing. And so we need people to, to invest in our church. How about in your crew? And that's kind of, I was trying to be, you know, contemporary and not so old grandpa here, but, but all of us should have a crew. It's our connect group. It's people that we're doing life with, people that we can call and say, hey, listen, I just need to talk to you about something. And you pull back the curtain and you don't feel like that you're, you know, you're in insecure ground. You can be vulnerable and say, listen, I, I'm not super proud of this, but this is what's going on, man. I'm struggling. That, that's something God wants us to have, and we're going to learn to expand ourselves into that. Those within our circle, you don't know it, some of you don't know it, but you have this circle. You, you can probably draw a line around how your life works, and you go from this place to this place to that place, and, and then back to this place, and finally you come back to the original place, and you just repeat that cycle every day. Some of you are international in that cycle. Some of you are state to state, but you have a pathway, and in that pathway are people you come across all the time all the time, all the time. And those are people that you can have a great impact as you learn to expand your reach and be able to find ways to bring encouragement, to bring the blessing, to bring the word of God to them. And then we're going to ask for God, yeah, but we don't want to just be limited to our circle. Help us to get outside of our circle. Show us what that looks like. Listen, we're not talking about like heavy responsibilities. We're talking about living free and being able to say, listen, wherever I go, God can use me and God can use others to, to pour into my life. I'm not going to stay isolated. I'm just not going to stay in my own little prison in my head and in my thinking, trapped in things that aren't working. I'm going to push those things behind me. I'm going to lean forward and take a step. And I'm going to begin reaching for something that God's going to use so that he can do what only he can do. Now, this is, this is important for us. So Pastor Spencer mentioned this, but listen, we, we've got a heart and soul meeting coming up. That's not just kind of another vision casting. We want to talk. 
we want to share our heart with you guys. Like not just, you know, hey, here's a great slide, a great graphic. And we want to share our heart. Here's what the Lord's saying. And we want to hear some things back from you guys. We've got a connect group emphasis and a new series that's going to be starting in a couple weeks. Not too late. Jump in. Ah, but I'm busy. I know. I know you are. It's agonizing, but reach, reach. Telling you something happens and we get filled with the strength and the encouragement of the Lord and 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 we can do more than we thought and God will give us direction. Um, and then on your way out today, you're gonna get a volunteer card. Uh, Spencer already referenced it. And there's no pressure. Uh, we're actually gonna be talking more about this next week, um, but we just wanna make sure that you have opportunity to look this over and think about it in case there's a next step for you. So everybody's going to get one of these cards. You can just look at it. You can fill it out right away or you can look at it and say, Lord, talk to me about this. There's a table out there for our children's ministry uh, along with an illustration about where we're at. God's helping us, but man, we we need a lot more people to plug in and help us. And here's the last thing I'm going to say, I promise. We're on our final seven days of 21 days of fasting and prayer. And there may be some of you like, well, yeah, I can't jump in now. I haven't done anything, you know. No, no, you can. You can. Listen, find that one, that one thing. But don't, don't try to fast from everything. You know, it's going to be a 40 day and pick one thing or pick one day. I'm just going to miss lunch that day. And I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. One day, pick one area and lock your scope into that and say, okay, I'm turning away. And I'm going to reach towards something else. And I'm going to reach. I'm telling you, because one step at a time, God wants to position you and I so that he can do something that only he can do. And all you got to do is make the three-point turn. The Holy Spirit will help you. And God will position you in another way. Hope you've been blessed by God's word today. Uh, we're going to end the service. I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'll ask you to stand. And as we sing one more worship song, this is an opportunity to go back to what the Holy Spirit was saying to us in worship. Some of you, God started talking then, and he's been talking through the whole message. You're like, damn, totally get that. Yep, that's totally me right there. Listen, when God speaks, don't walk away. Take another few minutes and walk forward. Allow allow someone to pray and seal that with the Lord. And say, God, I'm walking in faith. I'm going to walk up there, and I just want you to see me more than anybody else. I want you to know I'm in this thing, and I need your help to make this turn. I'm telling you, God promised Every time we take a step in faith, God will meet us right there. All right, stand to your feet. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you for the truth of the word of God and how applicable it is. Lord, anybody can do this, especially when you promise that when we take that first step, the moment we turn that wheel and make that first little incremental change, Holy Spirit, you meet us right there. And you coach us through and you strengthen us and you help us to get the whole thing turned around. Lord, we heard you loud and clear. And every single one of us here are going to open our hearts and we're going to position our life so that this year in 2022, you're going to do what only you can do in multiple places in our lives as individuals and in our church. We're trusting you for that. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray for everybody that you've already been prompting their heart from those that need to accept you for the first time, those that want to rededicate themselves or those have some specific need. Give them the courage now the clarity and the confidence, not just to walk out, but to take a moment and settle this between you and them and or to walk forward and allow someone to pray for them. We put all of this in your hands and we thank you in advance because you do all things well. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. 
and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.